It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my partner, Mike Evans. A millennial been producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. I tell you what, um, bet with Bet Rivers, guys. They do an awesome job. BetRivers.com for more information on Bet Rivers. And uh, you can check out all the stuff that I produce for them as well uh, on uh, on Instagram and on, uh, on what do you call that? The Twitter. Yeah, on the Twitter. So check them out. Also, the great folks over at uh, Dude Wipes. Uh, you want to have a clean uh, cutter? Make sure that uh, you uh, <laughs> check out my friends at Dude Wipe. What? I've never, I've never heard you refer to it as that. A cutter? That's a new one. Six years together, I've never heard you say that. It's probably the first time I've ever said it. I think you have. Yeah. Clean cutter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up. I don't know either, it, uh... but the guys at Dude Wipes, <laughs> check them out at DudeWipes.com. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm super duper. Just super duper. Got some great games coming up this weekend. You want to jump right into them? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. At New Orleans. Uh, you know, we saw we saw Tom Brady really struggle in New Orleans a year ago. Right. Saints, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for the Saints to deliver that, that signature performance that makes you think, okay, even with Jameis Winston and no more Drew Brees, they can still be an NFC championship contender. Is this the week they do it? I don't. I don't think so. At I, home, yeah, I know they're at home, but I don't. I don't think so. One, they don't. There's not enough dynamic plays in the passing game for them to get kind of over the top. I mean, they got to win tight games. You saw them in Seattle, and albeit in Seattle, tough place to play. Thirteen ten win that comes down right in the last, uh, you know, minutes of the fourth quarter where they score. But uh, you know, again, you're driving down there and you end up settling for a field goal. I mean, that's that's Saints football right now. There is not enough dynamic playmakers or plays in their passing game. So I just don't believe they rectify that. Hey, it's the opposite for Tampa. I mean, they've got playmakers all over the place. Um, I, I like the Saints defense, but I just don't think you can – I don't think you can weather that storm consistently enough against Tampa – um, to make up for your lack of production on the offensive side. So I, I don't see this being a signature win moment for New Orleans. All right, so the teams in the NFC that can beat the Bucks, who are they? Well, I think you've got the Rams, you obviously. you got the Rams, obviously. You've got, you've got the potential of Arizona. Okay. Because, like, Arizona's a little different than you think. And, and they've got a great matchup um, coming up. But Arizona's different they're playing the Packers and that should be a, a showdown right I think the Packers could beat the Bucks as well like any given Sunday type of thing Arizona's unique in that you know they got this air raid system or whatever they call it right with uh Cliff Kingsbury and the thing about that whole kind of system is you think of it as this spread kind of collegiate system but what's transpired what's changed this year is how much they've done in regards to changing personnel groups, using multiple, using two backs, using two tight ends, and and actually having a spread running attack, a condensed running attack, having a, a running attack that that and and changing their personnel groupings to keep you on your heels and communicating as a defense. 
And I think that's one of the big differences. The other thing is you can play it perfectly. I mean, just perfectly. And then all of a sudden, that is when, you know, Kyler Murray becomes superhuman and starts scrambling around. And it's got to be demoralizing, like soul snatching. When all of a sudden you do everything right and that guy makes four guys miss and then he throws it all the way across the field and finds DeAndre Hopkins wide open because you've left your coverage. You know, they always say plaster, plaster, plaster when things break down. But when all of a sudden that dude starts running around and starts tagging you stop your feet. You can't help it. It's almost like you become a spectator. Like, oh, my God, look at him. He's all over the place. And then, whoop, behind you, over the top of your head, gone. And that's where Arizona is. So they're really good, but they're they're really, really good when things break down. And that's why they're so – that's why they're just such a tough out. And then there's Dallas. And, and, and I think we're still – aren't we still trying to – figure out, embrace, maybe we don't want to get sucked in, we don't want to be fooled again type thing when it comes to Dallas there at Minnesota. Playing a Minnesota team that, that you know, is is middle of the pack, but at home could be, could be dangerous. I, this is one of those games where Dallas is expected now, if they are a front runner, go in and take care of business against an opponent that's decent, but you should still beat, right? If you're legit. Yeah, if you're legit, and I, I think part of I think part of it for Dallas also is like you're living off of creating a ton of turnovers, and Diggs in the back end has been exceptional ball skills wise. That guy just I mean he gets an interception or two every game. I mean he's been unreal, and and part of that is having the lead and playing complimentary football and all that stuff that we talk about all the time, and I think that's big time and. The fact that they can rush the passer and they've got some dynamic, you know, some dynamic players in that regard. So all that stuff is all that stuff is good, right? But there is part of me, Mike, that just feels as though, like, at what point do you do you face an offense that doesn't turn the ball over? And when that happens, then what? And like I um. I, I just look at them and think at some point they're not going to get two or three turnovers. They're not going to get a pick six. And, and then can you hang in? And it may be this game because Minnesota is slowly but surely figuring it out. And um, and they're actually playing pretty good football. And they, now they give up some big plays as well. And they give up some some drives. And they, they, they have this propensity just to keep you in the game. But – this is a. I think this is a real. This is one that you look at and go. Dallas should come away and win, but the bottom line is, um, it's going to be. It's going to be one of those things. It's not. It's not going to be easy because Minnesota is much better than their record would tell you they are. In your preparation for calling Denver Washington this week for Fox, you've had a chance to watch Denver's game against Cleveland. I'm curious. Your impressions of the Browns without Baker Mayfield. How far can they go? They get Pittsburgh this week. Uh, how far can this team go if Baker isn't in there or is, you know, severely compromised with that that left shoulder? This this team, this team, if they can adhere to a formula, and they've got a great formula, if they adhere to their formula, I don't think I don't think that 
Baker is the linchpin or makes that makes them all of a sudden like the difference between winning and losing. I think Case Keenum can operate this offense with great efficiency. Um, Wait a minute, you're telling me there isn't that big of a difference between Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum? Not the way they run their offense, no. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, I, I, you this is going to get you on Baker's list again. Well, I mean, that's, it's fine. I, I can be on Baker's list. I think Baker it, is – does Baker have more of an opportunity to push the f- ball down the field? Or Yeah, probably. But Case Keenum, you know, Case Keenum in this offense with that pressure off him, with the play action stuff. By the way, if you watch them against the Denver Broncos, his play action fake game was exceptional. He does a great job of fooling the defense. And when they run the ball, I love the way Kevin Stefanski in this offense runs the football. It's it's exceptional. And, you know, I love the fact that they get you playing scheme. They're going to run, whether it's the tight zone cutback, the wide zone cutback, all the stuff. They're going to press that. They're going to run it three, four, five times. And then they're going to have something adjunct off of that. That, that matches that scheme, but it's in, instead of being a backside, it becomes a front side. So you're playing that scheme, and they get you out of position. They get you out of your gap assignment, and then they cut you up, and they did it to the Broncos on a consistent basis. I mean, they just, they just trucked them in that game. And all the play-action stuff that comes off of that, if they adhere to that formula, then I don't think there's any question that Case Keenum can deliver. Now, if you got to get to the point where you can't run the ball and you got to drop back and seven step drop a bunch and you know five steps with two hitches, well, yes, then then Baker Mayfield is a better option in that in that scenario that I just painted. But I think this team, I think this team with that formula can be very good under Case Keenum. So you did Pittsburgh just a couple of weeks ago. You just said Minnesota seems to be a team that maybe is starting to slowly figure it out. Do you get that same vibe with the Steelers? Oh, yeah. D- you do? Yeah. You know, everybody wanted to, and again, this is very much Brady-esque, how everybody wants to uh, write the obituary of the quarterback, right? You know, they were writing the obituary of Brady back in his late 30s, you know, and here he is at 44 cutting up the league. That's what they were doing with Ben early in the season. Clearly, Ben can't play anymore. Clearly, he's lost a step. Clearly. And, of course, I made fun of Ben in my production meeting. Like, oh, I was reading your obituary. It's a, you know, and and Ben is, is funny. You know, we have a relationship, so he's kind of laughing about it. And, you know, I was like, seriously, how do you feel? Like garbage? I feel like garbage, but it's good enough to play and play well. And then when you watch him, they do a one-on-one practice, ones-on-one, excuse me, on Fridays where it's the starting defense against the starting offense. And you know that defense is pretty good, right? You know they've got some players that can play. Uh, Casey Hayward's an f- exceptional player. Obviously, Watt on the edge is is really good. Bush is the middle linebacker. can go sideline to sideline. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick is as good as it gets in this league. Uh, Edmonds, the other safety, is exceptional. I mean, they've got some damn good players, Mike. Ben is cutting them up. I mean, cutting them up in practice when it's ones-on-ones. He's still really damn good. And, yeah, he's lost a little step or whatever, but he's still pretty damn good. And now that they're figuring out the running game and um, Najee Harris is is just, like, really figuring it out. And, and when he figures it out, as Mike Tomlin said, not every meal's a buffet. Sometimes you just need a snack. It's okay to take a three-yard run. You don't have to make it a buffet. 
and he's learning that he's learning how to run at the NFL level. And you can see what a difference it's making. Another division inter interdivision showdown game. Indy, Tennessee. Both teams playing very well. Tennessee playing exceptionally well, coming off two right. monster victories against Buffalo and Kansas City back to back. But but Indy's looking sharp the last couple of weeks as well. So game is at Indy. It's basically a pick 'em game. So who do you like in that one? Yeah, you know I'll probably take uh, I'll probably take Tennessee, but it's with trepidation. Um, both teams are constructed in a similar fashion. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take pressure off their quarterback. Really fun to see Carson Wentz bounce back from two abysmal years in Philly. Injury-laden, sacked every other play, no running game. Um, to see him doing the things he's doing right now in Indy's offense with uh, with uh, Frank Wright being the head coach. I saw a, a meme the other day that Carson Wentz has more ankle injuries than he does interceptions. You know, I think he had one interception uh, I don't know what he, if he threw one last week or whatever, but two ankle injuries. So he's playing well. Obviously, what Tennessee did to Kansas City last week was amazing, beyond amazing. So they're both constructed the same way. We're going to run the ball regardless. We're going to play physical with our offensive and defensive lines, and we're going to set up our play-action game. Um, and, you know, whoever doesn't turn the ball over, whoever does that better is going to win. I think this is a really tight game. I'm taking Tennessee, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Indy wins that game. Now, on the surface, it looks like Kansas City's getting a get-right game, getting the Giants on Monday Night Football, but you just did the Giants game last week for Fox, mm -hmm. and they hammered Carolina. Now, that may be more about the, the bloom coming off Carolina's start, 3-0 start, but what about the Giants? Are they just being served up to the Chiefs, or... Could they pose some issues? No, this is about the time last year where the defense really really got stout, and they were really stout in that game against Carolina, um, both defending the run and, and obviously making Sam Darnold look like – I mean, they pulled Sam Darnold. He was awful in that game. So I, I think the other thing, Mike, is they've been so injured at the wide receiver position. Last week they didn't have Shepard. They didn't have Kadarius Toney, who is just an exceptional – like he is, he is an incredible rookie. That that I mean, he yards after catch, spatial awareness, um, dynamic nature. The guy is phenomenal. So they didn't have him. They didn't have Galladay. Uh, they didn't have uh, they didn't have uh, C.J. Board. That broke his arm the week before. They're down to really a, a bunch of also. They're down to Dante Pettis, and um, and who else played? Dante Pettis and some guy named Sills and oh Darius Slayton. They got back. So they really went two tight ends, or they went 22 personnel, 21 personnel, 12 personnel, and basically played with two wide receivers the whole game, and it suited them. They actually played really well, and Daniel Jones is an X factor right now. They realize, hey, you know, we don't have our starting running back in Saquon Barkley. Um, Devontae Booker is is a good back. He does everything at a – you know, at a good level, but he's not exceptional in anything. You know, I called him, um, I called him like the Kirkland brand from Costco, right? Just really good, but you know, it's not gourmet in any way, shape, or form, right? And that's kind of who he is. So they got Danny Dimes running the football, testing the edges, the boot keep game, the uh, waggle game out front, letting him actually run the RPO. Whether you're throwing it, whether you're handing it off, or whether you're keeping it on your own, there's a three-option RPO 
to what they're doing. And they just said, Danny Dimes, go out there and, and make plays for us. And so um, I think that X factor is something, Mike. I think that's something to watch for. I, I You know, obviously you think it's a get-right game, but the Giants, they got their issues, but they're starting to, I think, solve a little bit of those issues and taking some of the pressure off that O-line with those heavier formations and using Danny Dimes in the running game. Uh, last one, and this is kind of an interesting game for me because I, 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 I don't really, I guess, trust the trajectory of either team yet. You got a New England team that just came off hanging 54, a 54-piece, mm. on, on the Jets. And you were talking earlier about teams that you know traditionally get better as the year goes along, and New England is certainly one of those teams. And it, it, yet you got a Charger team that was playing really well, and then they just got uh, a boat raced by uh, Baltimore, and now they've had to stew on that for right. their bye week. Games in, in L.A., and uh, how, how do you see it? Two teams that I don't really have a real handle on. Do you? Um, no, I, I don't. And... If, you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see exactly kind of how how the Patriots respond to the beatdown they put on the Jets because obviously that was I mean that was epic. But I love their young quarterback, and I heard Bill Belichick talking after the game. We got to start stacking these together. If we do what we're coached to do, and we play with the fashion that we've been coached to play we can have success. And I, I, you know, I love that. The Chargers are just interesting to me because like, I just wasn't expecting the beat down the Ravens put on them. Like you talked about and having to stew on that during their bye week. I I still think the Chargers are probably, you know, a better football team overall, or, or at least a, you know, more experienced football team. Uh, I will take the chart. I take the Chargers, but, I, I like the direction the New England Patriots are pushing on right now. I like where they are right now and the development of their young quarterback. All right. Well, we've uh, referenced some of these games and who we might like. Let's get down to our picks. We both had decent weeks last week, finally. Yes. Both went two and one. So you get to go first this week. All right. I'm going first this week. And, um, you know, I went with the uh, I went with the big favorites last week. It was a theme. Going with the God, favorites, you gave Mike. up about sixty points in spreads last week. Yeah, I did, and uh, and still found a way to go two and one. Um, and so I'm going to. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to stick with the the theme, but I'm going to pick a couple upsets here. I'm going to go Cowboys traveling to the Vikings. Vikings three and three. Cowboys five and one. Cowboys two and a half point favorites on the road. I'm taking the Vikings. I think the Vikings may upset them, but the bottom line is I think this is going to be a very close game. Uh, I think that's the way the Vikings play football. So I'm taking the Vikings, and I'm grabbing those two-and-a-half points. Um, then I'm going to go Patriots-Chargers. I like I like the Chargers, but I feel like the Chargers are going to charger. Uh, coming off the bye week, do they have a little bit of a rhythm issue? Patriots coming off a big win. I think the Chargers probably win this game, but I'm not going to give up the five and a half points. I'll take the Patriots and I'll get the five and a half points there. And then I'm going to go Lions and Eagles. Lions get their first win. 0-7, I think they're physical. 
I think they're playing hard for their coach right now. The Eagles feel like a little bit of a mess to me. The Eagles giving up three on the road to the Lions. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going Lions to take the victory, but I'll take the three. All right. We uh, talked about that Indy-Tennessee game. Uh, I, I like the way Indy's playing right now, and they're at home, and they they need this game if they're going to keep the pressure on Tennessee in the division. I, I think Tennessee, you come off such big wins at home. I think just a little bit of a letdown. I'm going to go with the Colts in a tough, uh, close one, getting a point but they won't need it. They'll win outright. I'm going to take uh, – you, you talked me into um, Tampa Bay. Uh, you, I think you're right. I think New Orleans will will bring it defensively, but that Tampa Bay team should fall out of bed and still score 24. And does, does New Orleans have enough offense to be able to keep it close? Uh, I don't think so. I'll take Tampa Bay minus the five on that one. And I do think this is a get-right game for Kansas City. Um, they – Having that motivation all season long, I don't think it's it's going to be there. It hasn't been there, but uh, this will be a pride game for them. Bright lights, national TV. I'll give up the 10, and I'll take uh, Kansas City minus the 10. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. Head-to-head, mano a mano once again, you and I. Uh, we'll see who is uh, comes out victorious on that. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast, we appreciate you. Want you think? Uh, want to thank uh, our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers, um, Bet with the Pros, Bet with Bet Rivers, and also the great folks over at Dude Wipes. For the cleanest cutter in town, <laughs> check out my friends at Dude Wipes at DudeWipes.com. For everybody involved, we thank you so much for listening to the Stinking Truth Podcast.